Well, good morning. How are we doing? It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. What a wonderful time to worship this morning. He is the King of Kings. Amen. I am thankful for the opportunity to be with you this morning and to teach. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open it to Matthew 28 and verse 18 and just hold that spot. We're going to get there eventually. Last time I had this opportunity, I taught on what we know as the great commandment. And we looked at what it meant to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And out of that, Jesus gave an equally important command. And that was to love your neighbor as yourself. And this morning, I've titled this message, A Fulfilled Life. And I'm not even going to make you wait till the end for the reveal. A fulfilled life is one that knows Jesus, walks with Jesus, and through Jesus strives to worship God. And I could stop right there. And this would be the shortest sermon ever. And we could just sit and meditate on that. I heard a couple amens there. Like, all right, shortest sermon ever. I'm in on that. Well, if this sounds familiar, well, it should. I have a confession. I stole it. Because Dr. Vong shared that with us last week. And the only difference is he used that to describe a disciple. And in our time this morning, I I want to unpack that. And we'll eventually find ourselves at Jesus' great commission for his followers in Matthew 28. And so we've got a question before us this morning. What does it look like to be a disciple? For us, a disciple in its simplest form is one who follows Jesus. To put it another way, what does it look like for us to say yes when Jesus says, follow me? This is where we're going to be this morning. And we're going to be reading lots of scripture. And we're going to have it on the screens for you to look at. But I really encourage you to write down the references of these verses. And and throughout this week, go back and study them in their full context. And you're going to see that when Jesus says, follow me, sometimes he extends that invitation to an individual. Sometimes he says it to a group. And other times it is a reminder or an encouragement to follow in his example. As we read, I would like us all to say out loud together, Every time we see the phrase in scripture, follow me. Can we do that? Oh, can we do that? Okay, we're going to practice. So every time we see follow me, you're going to say it with me. All right, we're going to practice. Count of three. Here we go. One, two, three. Follow me. Oh, y'all are ready to go this morning. Here we go. In Matthew, we see Jesus say, follow me seven times. At the beginning of Jesus's ministry, we see this. In Matthew 4, 18 through 19. 
While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat, with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Follow me may mean leaving the things that we love. Matthew eight nineteen through 22. Jesus was gathering large crowds as he spoke. And so they were at the Sea of Galilee and it says this. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go to bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Follow me may mean adjusting our priorities. Matthew 9, 9, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Follow me may mean changing our way of life. Matthew sixteen twenty four. then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Follow me may mean surrendering. In Matthew nineteen sixteen through 21. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, all these I've kept. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go. Sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Follow me may mean sacrificing what we treasure most. In Mark and Luke, we see follow me mentioned four times in each of those books. In John, we see it seven times. Here are just a couple of examples where we see that follow me comes with a promise. A promise to hear Jesus' voice and have life. This one's a little bit different, but I still think it counts. John eight twelve. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then finally, John ten twenty seven. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. 
follow me. Are we catching that? Jesus says, follow me. The key to a fulfilled life is wrapped up in these two words. And Jesus extends that invitation to us this morning. But we must, we must ask this question. When Jesus says, follow me, who is the me that we are to follow? Jesus is the true king. He is, as we just sang, he is the king of kings. He is provider. He is our comfort. He is our wonderful counselor. He is our refuge and strength. He is our hope, our healer, and our hiding place. He is our deliverer. He is our savior and redeemer who is worthy of all praise and all glory. Colossians 1, 15 through 20 says this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross. And all God's people said to that, amen. Amen. Who is the me that you are following? It's our first question this morning. Who is the me that you are following? Is it Jesus or is it someone or something else? Follow me. The call to follow Jesus is a call to surrender everything. It is a call to die to self. It is a laying down of our rights, our hopes, our dreams, and our possessions. A fulfilled life is one that exchanges a self-centered one for one that places God at the center of everything. Every thought, every step, every decision flows from a life whose foundation is Jesus. Paul puts it this way in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Here's the thing. Self-centeredness, man, it's a, it's a subtle trap. And it's one that we all fall into because it makes sense to us. It puts self at the center of its existence. 
And we often view the world around us through that lens. We live in a culture that grows louder and louder, encouraging us to live our truth. However, what's true for you is not necessarily true for you, which might not be true for me. And so you are encouraged to do whatever makes you happy. And I stand here today, friends, to tell you, truth is not a concept. Truth is not an idea. Truth is not subjective. Truth is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. And he invites us to follow him. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And I want to be, I want to be clear in this. The call to surrender everything is not just about getting rid of things. You see, relationships, status, and possession, they're not the problem. The problem arises when we ask those things to do what they were never intended to do. They were never intended to be our source of fulfillment. We were never supposed to find our identity in them. But we do this. We try to ask them to do and provide life when they can't. And scripture has a word for that. It's called idolatry. Romans 1 says it really well. Because it says that we've exchanged the truth of God for a lie. By worshiping created things rather than the creator. I was challenged in this recently. I am thankful for a group of guys that I get to meet with on a weekly basis. Uh, sometimes uh, we just get together and hang out. Uh, sometimes we get together uh, and, and read scripture and we go through a book of the Bible. Um, sometimes we read a book that just kind of helps guide our discussions. And recently we've been reading a book called The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. And he says this. The man who has God for his treasure has all things in one. Many ordinary treasures may be denied him, or if he's allowed to have them, the enjoyment of them will be so tempered that they will never be necessary to his happiness. Or if he must see them go one after one, he will scarcely feel a sense of loss. For having the source of all things, he has in one all satisfaction, all pleasure, and all delight. Whatever he may lose, he has actually lost nothing. For he now has it all in one. And he has it purely and legitimately forever. Matthew six nineteen through 21 puts it this way. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys 
and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that brings us to a second question this morning. Where is your treasure this morning? And there's a, there's a simple test that we can do to answer this question. And I don't like it at all. Because the simple test is this. Follow the trail of your time, your effort, and your money. Follow that trail and you will find what you treasure most. That stings a little. Just me? Because if I, if I drill down and into the foundation of the things that I chase after, man, oftentimes I find that it, it terminates on me and not on Jesus. I'm too easily pleased and satisfied by lesser things. And, and here's the thing. And I prove this over and over again. Those things never satisfy. They never bring life. It's a house of cards that always comes tumbling down. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Weight of Glory, says this. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. I wish I could sit up here and tell you that I've got this figured out, but I gotta be honest. I like making mud pies sometimes. A life that has Jesus at its center is a life that is fulfilled. It is a life that finds in Jesus all satisfaction, all pleasure, and all delight. It has everything. Even when things don't go well. Maybe you've heard this story. There was a successful lawyer and businessman who lived in Chicago. He had a beautiful family. However, their life was soon met with tragedy. One year, their son died from illness. And later on that year, they lost much of their business to fire. Several years later, they were scheduled to take a trip. However, at the last minute, the, the man found it necessary to stay behind and, and he would catch up with his family at a later time. So his wife and his four daughters boarded that ship and went on their way. And along their journey, their ship collided with another ship, sinking it with all 226 passengers on board. The man's wife survived miraculously, but his four children perished. The man booked the, the very next boat that he could so he could travel to his wife and mourn with her. The man's name 
was Horatio G. Spafford. And as he passed where the ship sank with his four daughters, he penned these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Hmm. To pen these words in response to such a heartbreaking personal tragedy can, can only be understood by a life that has found fulfillment in Jesus, in Jesus alone. And while I hope to never experience such a tragedy, I long to know Jesus in this way. Like so many faithful men and women who have gone before. Throughout scripture and history, we have heard their stories of their faithfulness. They live their lives to the fullest, knowing that there is nothing that compares to the surpassing worth of loving, knowing, and walking with Jesus. Indeed, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, as Hebrews 11 describes, testifying to the greatness and goodness of God. And it begs us to pay attention. A fulfilled life. So many times we go through this life for the follower of Christ. We want to know and answer this question. What is the will of God? A fulfilled life is one who knows God. Who grows in relationship with him. Sows seeds through serving him. And goes into the world with a mission to make other disciples. To know God. To know God is not just about knowing about him. Many, many learn about him. Many know of him. But, but that's not what satisfies. In the study Experiencing God, Henry Blackaby says this. You come to know God through experience. As he reveals himself to you and you respond to what he says. So I want us to think about it this way. We can know about a great recipe. Like nowadays online you can find a recipe for almost anything. How many? How many have ever looked for a recipe online? Okay, yeah, most of us. Good, good. So we're all together on this. Pet peeve of mine. I don't, side note, really. Why is every recipe that you find online have to include the entire history of the author that writes it? Has anybody noticed that? Like you got to scroll through 10 pages before you actually get to the recipe. Can I get an amen on that? Yes. It's beside the point. I just had to get that out. I was thinking about it and it just, I was like, yeah, it really just frustrates me. So you got to scroll through the 10 pages and then you get to the recipe. The point is, we can read about all the ingredients. We can even read reviews of people who have tried it and speak highly about it. But does that satisfy? No. 
I, I will never experience the outcome of the recipe by just knowing about it. I have to gather the ingredients. I'm going to have to combine those ingredients in, in a specific way based on the recipe. And then here's the crazy part. I actually have to taste and experience it once it's all done. The psalmist helps us out here in Psalm 34 and invites us to taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. A fulfilled life is one who knows God. And while knowing God cannot be contained in a recipe, we can know him because he speaks. He speaks by the Holy Spirit. He speaks through his word. He speaks through prayer. He speaks through circumstances. And he speaks through his church. In those things, he reveals himself, his purposes, and his ways. Knowing God in turn helps us to grow in our relationship with him. And the key word there is relationship. Growth happens in the environment of relationship with Jesus. We grow by daily walking with him, spending time with him. And spending time with him is is not just about receiving this quick piece of uh, inspiration before we go about our day. It's not just about, hey, I need some direction here. Or I need uh, an answer to this important question or difficult moment in my life. Spending time with Jesus is about resting in his presence. Enjoying and experiencing him. A fulfilled life is one that is in relationship with Jesus. And it is a relationship that is always growing and producing fruit in the life of the disciple. And as we grow in our relationship with Jesus, Jesus begins to shift our focus from a self-centered one to a God-centered one. And a fulfilled life is one that sees the opportunity to sow seeds in serving Jesus and all they do. Know, grow, sow. And finally, we are called to go into the world. And now that I've finally worked through my intro, we can get to our key text this morning. (laughs) I know I just made some of y'all very, very nervous. You're like, he just got through his intro? A fulfilled life is one that says yes to Jesus saying, follow me. And in that following, we are given a mission. So hang, hang with me here. We end where we started. The accounts of Jesus' ministry are bookended by this one directive. As we read in Matthew 4 earlier, he tells two brothers, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And it's important to note here that Jesus didn't say he was calling them to be fishers of men. He said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. He wasn't giving them a recipe to make disciples. He wasn't giving them a new uh, evangelism technique. He was saying that he would cause them to be fishers of men. It is what he was going to do in and through them. And so at the end of the book of Matthew, it, it shouldn't surprise us. 
to see what Jesus' final command to his disciples is. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The call to follow Jesus is a command that we go and make disciples. It is the outflow of a relationship with him. And it is only accomplished by what he does in and through his disciples. We heard this briefly last week in our time with Dr. Vong. He said, the purpose of the church is to call people to worship God. And that is summarized in what we just read. Go, teach, baptize, and make disciples. Where is Jesus commissioning you to go? Who is Jesus commissioning you to teach, baptize, and disciple My encouragement to you this morning is to start where you are and work out from there. Because when we look at the word go, and in my Bible, I've circled that word go. Because it can be translated like this. As you are going. Or as you are moving from one place to another. Start where you are and work out. From there. Because these are the places that God has already placed you on mission. In your families, go, teach, baptize, and make disciples. In your neighborhoods, go, teach, baptize, and make disciples. In your workplaces, guess what? Go, teach, baptize, and make disciples. To, to some of you, the call to follow Jesus may take you to serve in ministry in other places, but the directive remains the same. Go, teach, baptize, and make disciples. You want to know how the church grows? Any guesses? Say it together now. Go, teach, baptize, and make disciples. Jesus says, follow me. And the key to a fulfilled life is wrapped up in these two words. A fulfilled life is is one that follows Jesus, knows him, strives to worship him in all things. and, And the one that has at its goal a mission to go teach, baptize, and make disciples. This morning, Jesus is inviting us all to follow him. For for some of you, you are hearing this invitation for the first time. For others, it is a reminder and an encouragement for us all. It is an invitation to have life and have it 
abundantly. Here's how I want us to close this morning. As a church, we've been challenged by Dr. Vong in this season leading up to Easter to be a church of prayer. We've been praying over and asking God to lead us and guide us. And I want to spend our next few moments praying as a church. In case you are unaware, for the last few weeks, many in our church have been coming up here and they have been prayer walking around and through our building. Your staff has been praying through these things throughout the week. On Sunday mornings before the service times in the fellowship center, many have been gathering to pray for the church, for our community and each other. So I want us to spend time responding to Jesus' call this morning to follow him. You can scan that QR code in front of you, or if you're at home, you can go to guide.fbclewisville.org, and you will see that there's a prayer guide there for you to open up and look at. I have some down here on the steps as well. And so I just want us to spend time. We have some important questions before us this morning. Who is the me that you are following? What is the treasure in your heart? Who is God calling you to go to, to teach, to baptize and disciple? And so we, we end in prayer. The altar is open. And we're going to pray through these things. We have a whole list that leads exactly towards what we've been speaking about this morning. So come, come individually. Come with your spouse. Come with your family. Come with another group of people. But let us get on our knees this morning and pray and seek God to respond to Jesus saying, follow me. Let's spend these next couple of minutes in a posture of prayer together. Let us pray. Father, we have come before you. And God, we pray and ask that you would lead us. And Father, that our hearts would be obedient to follow you. God, that we would submit ourselves to you. And in that, God, we humble ourselves before you. We pray that you would make us holy 
Father, that you would fill us up to send us out. God, that we would not walk out of this place the same as we came into it. God, we are changed by your word this morning. God, continue to lead us in that. We ask this in your name. Amen. And we have a time to continue to respond to God this morning. And we'll have ministers up here. And they're here if you would like someone to pray with. Perhaps you have a decision to make that God is calling you to make this morning. And for some of you, the next step is to surrender your life to Jesus Christ for the first time. For others, it it may be to follow through with believer's baptism. And maybe you've been looking for a place to call your church home. And we invite you to come and join in our community here at FBC Louisville. So as we continue to worship, continue to pray, let us stand and worship.